Hi, this is Logos Legacy. So I was just um, pondering about something and I'm thinking out loud about, about it. And I, um, I decided I might as well record it. So what was I pondering on? So ideology, believers in ideology, a dynamic that I might have mentioned before is essentially that people identify with their ideology and it's almost like it's viewed like an extension of themselves like possessions we gen tend to feel like they're ours and if we were to lose them or they were to get damaged we'd feel threatened like we we not just that we've lost something, but we've lost part of ourselves because we've identified with that as ours. Now, we identify with ideas the same way, and we identify a belief as ours, and so criticizes it, disagrees with it, if, and we believe in an ideology, we might feel threatened, like there's an actual threat to us, and the same part of our brain might activate as if there's an actual tiger attacking us. I've already established that in previous videos. So where am I going with this? So the way an ideology works is that, well, people identify with a set of ideas and they identify as a member of that ideology who believes certain things and stands for certain things. And there's also, an, so there's an in-group and an out-group or an us and a them. The, the outgroup of them tend to be identified as a threat to them that isn't, that is separate from them. Whereas the in-group tend to be identified as those, there's a sense of unity and um, quasi-oneness with, uh, in a tribal sort of way. It's not the same sort of oneness as, or a unity perspective, or as um, an open, fully open heart and unconditional love, but there's a sense of solidarity, that's the word, uh, with those in the in-group. And so if something goes well for someone in your in-group, you'll feel good. Uh, it's been proven it's like, uh, in psychology that people actually get a positive reaction when something good happens to someone in their group or someone they identify with as a member of a group that they identify with as being part of and if it's the out group they will actually feel good if something bad happens to the group that they feel threatened by well because if there's a threat to you right this is a tiger right and you're threatened by that tiger you feel afraid of that tiger and then you see that tiger I don't know, it just suddenly dies. Or I suppose you've got some, lay down some stakes because uh, to defend yourself and, it, and get some pale on that stake. You're like, yeah, you feel good because the threat is dead and you're safe and you're like, yes, I feel good, right? Now, what happens if someone's criticizing your ideology that you're emotionally invested in, egoically, and so if someone does that, they criticize your ideology. And then what you see is 
they get humiliated in some way or someone criticizes them and they don't really have a response. Um, you might feel good. Well, I say you, you might not be ideological. An ideological person will feel good, might feel good about that person's misfortune. That's what ego and especially anger can do. And also fear when you feel threatened by someone. And it's simply Bobby, they will say, I'm in this group, I believe X, Y, and Z. And you'll be like, right, they're a threat because you've already programmed in your mind who the in-group is, what those in-group beliefs are, who the out-group is, and what those out-group beliefs are, right? Why is this relevant? All ideologies tend to do this. Religions often do this as well. Um, it's just, they're pretty much the same thing psychologically, the system of thought, where there's a doctrine. And when there's a doctrine, it's an egoically invested in as like an extension of self, a bit like a possession as an extension of self. So, I will give an example, but it's an example I'm interested in. And that example is, let's say socialism. So the reason I'm interested in this is the, well, let's say the radical left in general, because there's different versions of it. But the reason I'm interested in this is I am interested in alternative ways of people doing things economically and socially from the bottom up as the the systems that are in place are falling apart um and ways of doing things that aren't depending on corporations and the state but rather where people can rely on themselves and not be beholden to um, powers of B, right? Uh, so this is an approach that I have. This, instead of some sort of revolution, you just start building your own thing while the flawed collapsing systems uh, fall apart. Now, those on the radical left, they talk about things like, what was it? Um, late stage capitalism? I don't really... I don't I believe in their version or perspective per se. But I will say is that whatever you describe this system we're living in, things are kind of stagnating and falling apart. A bit like the Roman system, whatever you call that, was in its late stages in the late Roman Empire. And there's all these systemic problems that are built up to the point where they're pretty much not resolvable by anything within the existing paradigm. Um, and many of these systems are falling apart. Now, about the radical left, um, I'll just use this as a reference point, although this is something I've been thinking about for a while, and it's that um, often you get, like with any ideology, uh, an anger, a fear and an anger and a judgment, an oppositional duality 
between capitalism or capital or the bourgeoisie or the workers or they're not necessarily Marxists, they might be anarchists, communists, anarcho-communists or whatever, but basically the idea that the property owning class and the, the state and corporations are generally and big, big and business as a whole is generally viewed by them as in this camp and the other side being the workers who work for them. And the perspective is that they, the value of their labor is extracted from them and they don't get the full result, result of their labor and that that's an exploitation that's oppressive, right? That's, that's the perspective. And there's the us and them mentality where that's, these guys are the threat, they're, they're taking from us, they're oppressing us. The us versus them mentality, the anger and the judgment, feeling good if they about the idea of revolting or taking all the property away. Uh, and if people who defend or, or advocate capitalism in some sense, or the right, so to speak, um, have some sort of misfortune or get debunked or something like that, then they'll feel good. And if someone criticizes or if they feel that their values or their ideology is threatened, they'll feel attacked um, and uh, feel negative. So, and the, what, the issue I have with the analysis of, well, any ideology, including, say, anarcho-communism or communism regularly, is that the understanding of what's occurring, in my opinion, is distorted by the dualistic us versus them and uh, egoic mindset where there's more empathy for those in the in-group, less for the out-group, and everything is viewed in from a lens of that antagonistic, of the antagonism. And the antagonism is built into the theory as a class relationship. And so the very theory itself is, takes a form, in my opinion, that reflects the antagonism that's felt by believers in the ideology. And honestly, all ideologies have this us and them that are identified with, and all ideologies or dogmas have this distorted perspective in some way. They just identify different things and different groups, different ideas as the threat, different ones as the in-group, right? And I'm interested in understanding what's going on, what kind of, insofar as there is some kind of quote, exploitation of the quote, common people um, and disempowerment of them and uh, powers that be and those having more power and more economic um, security and capability to influence outcomes. So 
there was things about how to like how in this time of ascension but also collapse of existing institutions that reflect collective ego in my opinion and also basically that which no longer serves is is increasingly unstable and falling apart and there's a shift to how do we build new systems and such in that context and in this context we can focus on how to do things new in new ways building up from the ground new ways of doing things and i think it's important to work together with different groups people to different groups to work together about doing this from the bottom up rather than being at each other's throats at a time where unity is important and i will go on a tangent about this exploitation issue where if you look at it from an energetic perspective informed by perhaps a new age or vedic or buddhist or hindu or one of these a mystical perspective there's life force or prana and the energy that's in the chakras the energy of love light that makes up everything that we live on live live from i mean we get food and we have other sustenance but the true sustenance that's most important it comes from the earth and it comes from the sun but ultimately from the central sun in the center of the galaxy and ultimately beyond that it's it comes from the creator and it comes from on a universal all that is level but also on a soul level as well so it's very important now if it gets constricted for example constricted closed off chakras unbalanced chakras that can be an issue as you might well know also if there's an unequal relationship between one person and another or an unequal exchange of energy one may be taking one will be giving one will be taking but it won't be in, in service to others. It's all it's about equal exchange and equal relationships that are win-win, mutually beneficial, uh, positive sum uh, relationships. Um, and where the giving is a receiving and the receiving is a giving, where people give out of unconditional love and receive unconditional love and joy from that giving so the giving is a receiving at the same time and it, both people have a win-win relationship in that exchange whether it's energetic whether it's social or economic social economic or something else right service to self is about an unequal exchange where there's hierarchy like a ladder or a hierarchy where those more and more power take from others in unequal way while they lack the internal um self-love they don't love themselves in what well, least they're not on a service to others way anyway so they, they get the love energy from other people like a black hole absorbing it in right this is relevant because 
well, when it's done consciously, that kind of hierarchical energy extraction, that is a, generally what you get with service to self, fourth density. When it's consciously done on an equal basis, an equally loving basis, that's generally service to others, positive, uh, positive isn't it? Positive uh, polarity, as opposed to negative polarity. And when it's done unconsciously, or when one of the parties is doing that unconsciously, um, that party that's doing it unconsciously, whether it's both or just one of them, they're not doing it consciously, so they're doing it in a third-density way, essentially. The point is that we're moving from exploitative interactions energetically. I don't just mean in what you call capitalism, but in every system, there's been slavery, there's been feudalism with serfdom, there's potentially other systems on, on earth. And generally speaking, you could describe it as an unconscious exploitation energetically, where the more has been given to one party than and one party has been given more than the giving more than they've been receiving. The other has been receiving more than they've been giving in terms of prana, prana and life force, right? This is on, on a certain level of awareness. Marxists and radical left have identified that there is an unequal exchange of energy occurring. However, given the level of consciousness they've been, or awareness they've been at, and from a materialist rather than a spiritual or idealist perspective, from a secular perspective, they've seen it in terms of, and given that they've generally been in ego and in mental, mentally in du a dualistic perspective of anger and resentment and afraid, um, the very ideology itself has been, has manifested the ego, the egoic patterns that came up. Okay, the, the patterns of the egos that came up with the theories about the radical left theories, well, all of the ideological theories really, have all been distorted by ego, okay? And so insofar as there's been understanding of the exploitation, that's been occurring energetically, it's been understood in terms of, Marx described it as, he described it as surplus labor. Honestly, from the top of my head, I can't remember what the two categories are labeled as in terms of value, but there's one type of value that's inherent, a sort of inherent value that is a use value, that's it. Uh, how useful something is inherently. Um, personally, I think that is kind of, um, it kind of has uh, issues with that conceptually because how do you objectively say how useful something is? And then the other concept was labor. Labor, there was labor theory of value was the idea that there was value created from labor itself. But there's a, I can't remember the name, exchange value, that's an exchange value. Right uh, through the exchanges economically, um, the, the theory goes that there's um, 
that the labor that goes into the labor power that goes into creating it is um, they don't get the full amount of that back because the company makes profit and they, they keep a portion of it. And the thus there's an extraction exploitation there. Interestingly, when I was, um, before I came across spirituality, when I was just a libertarian, I was like, no, 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 they get it all wrong. <laughs> and, and there are certain issues, I, I would say, with, um, with the theory, certainly about how it is based on that resentment and that distorts everything to some extent. Um, the, I think that it missed out on an energetic perspective due to the fact that it was generally what I describe as an egoic theory. And where the anger and resentment and fear distorts it. And it's built into the very theory itself about the different classes, the bourgeoisie exploiting the proletariat, blah, blah, blah. But they did identify something fishy was going on in the interaction. And they're not the only ones that have noticed it. There are even some on the right that have noticed it. No, don't get me wrong, like many on the radical left, because it's dualistic and egoic, each ideology has different blind spots, right? And you can no more say that one is more correctly seeing things than the other. It's just at different blind spots for different ideological positions, right? It's like each ideology represents a certain point on a duality. And there's like different dualities, the different points on a wheel. That's kind of, and we're going around and there's each point is like different duality, uh, points on the duality. I, I, I can't prove that or anything. It just feels right to me intuitively. I've seen it in my mind's eye. Uh, anyway, so um, I think I've more or less gone into what I wanted to go into. Like usual, I went on longer than I intended. I haven't really concluded it yet, have I? So Think of it as the, the social example as a case study. All ideologies do this, and I've got to be fair to them. They notice certain things, even if there's a higher understanding of the same thing, a more aware understanding, um, informed by spiritual insights about prana, life force, etc. So. I do think that we can we can look at how those in society, the social political economy, who uh, there's those who have a lot more power than others. Um, there's those you could describe as having so much power that they have a sort of elite position, so to speak, the ruling class or the ruling group now i mean it's kind of like a class analysis in some ways and i did point out flaws in that but there were the feudal lords and um dukes and kings and so forth the, the nobility in the feudal period uh it shifted such that those who took on that role became were more um it was more based on a hmm 
industrialists, I would say. And that it, as we moved into what we referred to as capitalism, this um, industrialism became, it became things like, um, it became transnational corporations. Um, and the state had a fundamental role in this. Um, it was fundamentally government, when it was kingdoms, it was prioritizing the interest of the nobility. When it became a state, it prioritized the interests of those with the most power, because those with the most power were able to shape the apparatus more, naturally. Those with power affect what occurs, right? And naturally, those with more power will make it suit their interests, especially when it's an egoic society. So naturally, there's going to be some kind of exploitation and oppression happening of some kind, whether it's of peasants by noble lords, whether it's of the working class in general. Um, and this happens in terms of prana, of life force, of unequal exchanges and hierarchy, right? Here's the thing, though. We can't really... Okay, how do I put this? If I were to go back 500 years ago, or if you were to look 500 years ago, and we talk about how, how we could have an anarchic society, if, if, if there was basically an attempt at doing anarchy in third density under everyone being an ego, or most people being an ego, I don't think it works. I don't think any system, any system that is put on place won't work as intended, and will eventually become tyrannical in some way or become distorted into something tyrannical. Every ideological theory that has its model about how perfectly government work or people govern themselves or whatever, it's, well, it's distorted because of egos, so it's got blind spots, things it doesn't account for. And also, if everyone or most people are an ego, they're going to fuck it up just because that's what egos do. They divide and they squabble and, and there'll be those with more power who will just sort it for their interest at the expense of other people. Um, so I don't agree, and generally I don't agree with revolution either as a concept usually, because it's like this idea of like, taking from some of the others and then an ego might ego is all corrupted again if you look at what happened to the soviet union there was optimistic intentions at the beginning in terms of the revolution what did you get you ended up with i mean even trotsky was a bit authoritarian right he was the first of them who really took charge right then it was lenin even more authoritarian then stalin even more authoritarian right it didn't work out. Um, what's the end with this? So I, that's why my focus isn't on, there's a perfect system we need to have, and we need to make it so that that's the one in place, and that the bad guys who are the threat, who are the enemy, need to have it taken from them 
or maybe be hurt to get the right thing in right thing in place. No, nah, I don't agree with that. I don't. That is that's the egoic sort of pattern that's been repeated so many times in different iterations. Um, and as we move into the age of Aquarius, we're already in it. As we're going through this transition to fourth density, I feel like the approach of setting up new systems now, as which will increasingly be built, build up and do things more sustainably in a way that doesn't depend on corrupt authorities, transnational corporations, um, which tend to be influenced by Uh, what you could metaphorically describe as the power behind the throne. Uh, I guess you could call it like, you know, there are secret societies, right? I'm not going to, I do recognize there's a problem getting too deep in conspiracy theories. Um, and that everything that happens is a test, catalyst from the creator. So it's not like it shouldn't happen a certain way or like, I think that we can have a trust in the creating what's occurring as things, negative things coming up and so forth. But yeah, I do definitely think that we can start building up new ways of doing things. Permaculture is a good example, is an attempt at that. Sociocracy is another attempt at that. Um, yeah, and the less we rely on the, the corporate corporations and the state and the and then when we do things our own way rather than going with the the cyborg agenda essentially and stunk things like that we, we can we can build the foundations of the new earth as we transition to into it essentially and I feel like the perspectives that we have on this, it's um, probably most fortuitous or something <laughs> fruitful for us to focus on unitive and energetic perspectives where there isn't an in-group and an out-group, not even something like, not even service to self, elites or Luminati or reptilians or something like that not even where we don't have this and where we, our beliefs aren't identified with and attached to like they're a part of us now let's be honest here a lot of us would would like to not be attached to their views and not ever be dogmatic in any way or argue with people or anything like that but there are times when we do right uh, unless you're someone like Eckhart Tolle who's like uh, the the veil of egoic illusion like yeah like there's an internal I don't want to say struggle but with ourselves like, I suppose but I struggle's not the right word but 
I'm being careful my phrasing here because I'm aware of the issue of treating enlightenment as an outcome that you're attached to, as a journey with a destination. But there's certainly inner work, inner work uh, necessary. And healing, but healing itself, the being healed can't be the destination. So nevertheless, the point I'm making is we can be self-aware of how easy it is to fall into a, do a dogma or ideology or religious orientated perspective where we attach to our views. And if we have, and we treat those, there are those with a threat and we squabble with them rather than working together, right? I think we focus on ways to, we can help bring people together. Now, obviously people are gonna go at their own pace because the people at their own level of awareness and act, so to speak, according to that. But nevertheless, we can focus on how to come together and work together with building new approaches and new systems that don't rely on the flawed, falling apart systems that we seem to have as things stand. So hopefully you found it interesting. Um, thank you if you listened to all of this and you got to the end. No, I, I really appreciate those who do get to the end. I understand from my perspective, I would love people to just, you know, watch it all, everyone, and not list, stop listening five minutes in or something. But let's be realistic. I can't expect that. I don't know what everyone else has got in their own lives or whatever. So, uh, yeah. But I'm grateful if you're here now, listen to me speaking, well, not, not now, but now, because <laughs> everything's the one single moment, right? Anyway, um, this is Logos Legacy, and um, have a great day or evening. Bye.